Hey moms, welcome to this bonus episode of the Gather Moms podcast. This bonus episode is our Zoom Bible study from this week where we talked about the woman of the Bible, Naomi. Naomi. We love her. We learned so much from her. And we also tacked on a second mama, uh, aka grandmama, named Lois. That's right. Not Lois Lane. No Superman. But Lois from the Bible. Yes. Big shout out to the grandmoms. What would we do without them? And uh, Naomi's story is incredible. So I can't wait for you to hear it. So saddle up. Here we go. Okay. So I'm so excited to be with you guys tonight. Last week, we talked about Bathsheba, and I had the most interesting conversations this week when we would tell people that we talked about Bathsheba. I feel like people had the total wrong impression of her. We called a couple of dudes Bathsheba, and they didn't take it great. They did not take it great. But listen, we have changed the public opinion on her. I mean, seriously, we are all best friends with Bathsheba now. She is coming to the dinner party in heaven. We love her. Okay? So, all in. But, as I was thinking about... The next mama we should talk about, okay? God had given me several ideas, and I kind of floated some past Kate, and then um, we jumped into this one. It's somebody that we all have in our life. A grandma. Mm-hmm. You got a grandma in your life? Yay, grandma. Come on, grandmas. I know you do. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to drop in the chat, what did you call your grandma growing up? What did you call your grandma growing up? Like, Mimi, Nani, Granny. I see a Granny. I see Grandma. I say Gran, Gram. Oh, I can't. You got to read for me. Remember, I can't. Oh, see I'm you. trying to get the Zoom on your computer. Oh, you can't. Nanny mind it. and Nana. Grandma and Nanny. Nana. Abuelita. Oh, oh, see, there's the Spanish. I hear it. Yes. Moggy. Maggie. Maggie. Moggy. M a h g e e. Do we feel like that's Moggy? Moggy. Moggy. Oh, Grandma D. Diane's Grandma D. That's cute. That's cute. Okay, now I want you to drop in the chat. What do your kids call your mom? Like your kids, what are they calling their grandma now? Nana. 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 Grandma. Grandma. Grams. Gags. Greg. Gaga. 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 Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Peepaw. Peepaw? So Is it uh, Peepaw the grandpa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mimi. So um I growing up, my grandmother, so my granny died when I was in fourth grade. So I didn't have her around very much. And then um my grandma on my dad's side, they were very um I don't want to say hoity-toity, snotty, but they kind of were. So we had to call her Grandma Krause. The full name? Full name. Every time you said it? Yeah. Grandma Krause. Yeah. Grandma Krause. Yeah. Grandma Krause. Okay. Grandma K? No. No. Oh, no. Heavens, no. No. Grandma Krause. I think it's so fun when you talk to moms now that are about to have their first grandchild. Like, the question you ask is, what's your name going to be? So, and that's so interesting because I think that's like a newish thing, right? Yes. I don't think that was always a thing, that it was like such a big deal what the grandma was. I always thought it was whoever had the first grandkid in the family, whatever that grandkid called the grandma, that was like the name. They get to name them. They change it. They got to name them. They get to name them. And I was the youngest in my family, which means there were several grandkids before mine. So I was like, well, we don't even got a shot, man. We just have to fall into line with whatever they do. Yeah. So in my family, my husband's mom is called Mimi, 
And that was started by some other grandchildren that came before mine. And then on my my side, my mom is called Grandma. Okay. And so I've already been thinking about my grandma name. I need it to be fun, people. I don't know that cowbell is really, you know, like, I don't know that they can call me that. Can they call you cowbell? Mm, I mean, I would take it very affectionately, but I don't know. Maybe not. So we'll think through that. Um, but I'll, the other thing I was thinking about are the things that your grandma, well, so she's my mom, but she's grandma to my kids, the things that they still say to this day. Okay, so I wanted to share a few with you guys. These are from... Yeah. My mom, grandma. Yeah. Okay. She always says that. When, when she gives me advice, she always goes, okay, if you want to throw it in the trash, but here's what I think. Your mom always says my that. My mom always says that. She always says that. And I love that she puts that little You want to throw it the in the trash? That's fine, but you here's what I think. Yes, you don't have to take this, that's which right. I love, because most, I think that's not usually <laughs> the gracious way that grandmas, usually they're like, this is what you do, you know? And I love that Judy's like, take it or leave it. That's right. Yeah. Okay, the other thing, anytime we go anywhere and we see a baby, somebody needs to put socks on that baby. <laughs> somebody needs to put socks. Why is there not a blanket on that baby? Why are they bringing that baby in the grocery store without a blanket and socks? That's what she thinks. Every baby should have a blanket and socks. And you know, if you had a baby in the grocery store with just socks on, there's a reason they don't have socks on. Okay. They come off like in two seconds. But listen, don't you think now that we're like, like I'm past the baby phase, when I see babies without a blanket, like I immediately think they're cold. Do you really? Yes, they're cold. They need a blanket. That's funny. I always think that. Wow. I'm with you, mom. I bought in. Put socks on that baby. This is my favorite. Okay, this is my favorite. (laughs) When I do stuff now with my kids, she'll look at me and go, I never did that to you. (laughs) My mom says that. I never made you do that. I would have never done that to That's you. That's what my mom says. I would have never done that to you. Right? So like sure. when I make them walk home from school, I would have never done that to you. It's just, it's a short walk. It's fine. We let Caleb, our first one, cry it out. And we were at my mom's house. And it like, it almost did her in completely. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, I would have never done this to you. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Yeah, the first time I went over to Kate's house with the baby, she also has a lock on the door. Oh, yes. <laughs> so they can't get out during nap time. We don't play <laughs> around here. Nighttime and nap time are sacred <laughs> for the mother. Okay, and then I wanted to share one more for Mimi because my husband's mom taught my kids this when they were so little, and it is forever etched in my brain. I will never forget it. Every time I make this item at our house, it's the first thing I think of. She called ramen noodles worms. What? So when she would make them ramen noodles, she would be like, do you want some worms? (gasps) They loved it. Like, they thought it was so fun to eat worms. Yes. (laughs) That's really cute. When I make them, I'm like, is it really worms? I don't know. Like, I can't get it out of my head now. No, but for a kid, that's fun. But for an adult, it's terrifying. But don't you think sometimes as mamas, we are like so like I got to get 12 things done that we don't stop sometimes to make it fun for the kids? Yes. And grandmas just want to make it fun. Yeah. Yeah. They just want all of it to be fun. Agree. My mom and... um, my dad and stepmom are the most fun grandparents. I yes. love it. Yeah. And I love that. And I want to be a fun oh, grandma my mother in law. I'm sorry. I just left some people out in case they oh. listen. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law, <laughs> my dad, my bad. We really, my kids are so blessed because I, yes. I didn't get to grow up. Um, my grandparents really weren't around. You know, my mm-hmm. granny passed away when I was young. And then um, my, my paternal grandparents lived up in Pennsylvania. So we saw them like once every couple of years. Yep. So I just love the relationship my children have with their grandparents. Yes, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah Your kids too. have that too. Girl. We like best friends. Yeah. We all best friends. 
Okay, so I just thought it would be fun to talk about a mama from the Bible who actually turns into a grandma. And one of the things that I was thinking about as I was doing this is we studied Hannah the first week. And the Bible tells us that Hannah didn't have children till late in life. Yeah. And there were other moms in the Bible that didn't have children until late in life. Like Sarah was one of them. Hannah was one of them. There was one more I was thinking of that didn't have children until late. Elizabeth. Oh, yes. And one of the things that I was thinking about is because they had children late in life, they probably didn't get to meet their grandchildren because they were older mamas. Potentially. But Sarah, man, they were around a long time. How, well, maybe how not old was there? How long she I lived? I feel like 802. <laughs> <laughs> There's a number. Okay, but we do have some mamas in scripture that did get to meet their grandkids. And so the one we're going to look at tonight, so I want to, we did, we're not doing the timeline. Like I tried to hold the timeline up last week. Bless y'all's heart. Y'all were like reading off a tiny piece of paper. It didn't work. But I want to put this into perspective. So last week we talked about that the story that we told of Bathsheba actually came after Hannah. So after Samuel. So Hannah had Samuel. Samuel actually anointed David king. So the story we're going to talk about tonight is from the book of Ruth. And it's Naomi, and she comes before Samuel. So she's during the period of time called the Judges. And the Judges came before the kings. And what kind of happened was when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And before they could go into the promised land, Moses actually passed. So God did not let him enter the promised land. And Moses passed the baton to a guy named Joshua. And Joshua ended up leading the Israelite nation into the promised land, which was known as the land of Canaan. And one of the things that God told them was, don't go and intermarry with the Canaanites and don't take their foreign gods to be your God because you know Yahweh, you know the one true God. And so Joshua leads the people into the promised land and he leads with God at the helm. I mean, he is a faithful guy, but when Joshua dies... This new group of people come up and they don't know all the stories and all the ways that God led them through the wilderness and they begin to do the very thing that God says not to do. And they take on the foreign gods and they intermarry and so they need a leader. They need someone to come along and help them and so God gives them judges. And so when you read through scripture, you'll see lots of judges. One of the ones that we talk about is Deborah. Shout out Deborah. She's a boss babe. Yeah. Do you see those people that like post about boss babes on their websites? Right, is those like female-owned businesses? Is We're that what boss, boss babes? babes? Oh, I'm a boss babe. Yes, you are definitely a boss. Deborah babe. was a boss babe. We should do a Bible study on her because she definitely was. Um, but the judges come along and they try to help the people make good choices. Um, and as is a theme in the Bible, the people do not make good choices. <laughs> Bless their hearts; they're just like us today. Uh-huh. And so during this time of the judges is where we find Naomi and Ruth. And so we're going to be in the book of Ruth. So if you want to, if you've got your scriptures with you, you can uh, turn to the book of Ruth. And I'm going to read you the very last verse from the book of Judges, which comes right before the book of Ruth. It's Judges 21, 25. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like one of the scariest verses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, I almost kind of feel like we're living in the, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Yes, it feels very true for today. Doesn't it feel very true? So that's how we leave the book of Judges. And then this is how we pick up the book of Ruth. Ruth uh, chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And here's the interesting thing. So Elimelech is the man that goes to sojourn in Moab. Hey, good job with that. You just said it like what? it was yeah. de- rolling like off Sam the tongue. Bob. She said, "Elimelech, mm, Elimelech." Yeah. Yes, okay. I did. Sorry mm-hmm. to mess you okay. up. 
Okay, but Elimelech, his name means God is king. Oh, okay. Don't you think that's interesting that the book of Judges says there is no king in Israel? Yeah. The people are doing whatever they want. And yeah. then this man comes along whose name means God is king. It's like, like you almost want to say, if your name means that, maybe God should be your king. Yeah. Okay, but they didn't. They were still living in the way they all wanted to. So there's a famine. In Scripture, when we see famines, it's usually something that's because the people have rebelled and God is trying to correct their behavior, and so he sends a famine. So he sends a famine to this town, and so Elimelech decides, we're just going to move on. He packs up his family, and off they go to Moab. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you may have heard of the ites of the Bible, Mm -hmm. the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Moabites. These are all bad dudes, right? They're all people that worship foreign gods. They do not love Jehovah. And so it's so interesting to me that Elimelech decides to move his family to a place with foreign gods. Right, and you can understand that they were trying to, you know, escape the famine and find food, but there were plenty of faithful Israelites that stayed back in in. God's land and the promised land. That yes. They, well, yes, it was the promised land. Yeah. And the area that they had been given. Um, but these people leave. Yes. And they go to Moab. Well, and that's what uh, I read in some of the things is that, yes, there's a famine, but wouldn't you rather be in God's land uh-huh. with God's people yeah. waiting for God to rescue yeah. than to go off to a foreign land with foreign gods? Yeah. Which is, it's, I think that's a little difficult for us to understand because now we live in New Testament truth, the promises of God is everywhere, which was just different yes. for what they were yes. experiencing at the time. But you know, for them to go to Moab, there was nobody else that was going Mm-mm. to serve Yahweh, right? Right. They were all worshiping false gods. That's who they bowed down to. That's who they sacrificed to. And so they were moving into a very different situation. Yes. Like being surrounded by people you don't know. Right. But he does that. He moves on. Um, he's married to a woman named Naomi and Naomi's name means sweetness. So fun. Not sweetness like dripping sugar, like, you know, those sweet southern gals that talk with their sweet tea and all that kind of stuff. But sweetness in the idea that like this biblical beauty, that she just has a sweetness. That's what her name meant. Um, there's some other scriptures in the Bible that use similar words. And so we, we can post those in the comments afterwards or maybe tomorrow when we do the podcast. But I just, there's so much interesting stuff in the Bible about names. I mean, I just think back to our kids. I'm like, do we think this hard about our kids' names before we name them? Because there's so much history to names well, in the Bible. Well, we found that out that I did and you you didn't. She mm. named her first kid Jake mm. and didn't even put together the relationship no. between Jacob and Rebecca, but that's cool. Because it's going to sound good on the loudspeakers at a football game. That was what mattered. Yes. And it still does. Jake Jake Bradford. Bradford, Judd Bradford. That sounds good. Yeah. That sounds good. Okay. All right. So they go and they sojourn in Moab because of the famine. Um, And so what happens once they get there? Elimelech dies. Okay. And so when you read scripture, what it says is that when they get there, Elimelech dies and Naomi is left with just her two sons. Now, if that happens to me, I don't know. I'm thinking, let's move back, Mm -hmm. right? Let's get out of here. But she doesn't. They stay in Moab. And then it says that her two sons go on to marry Moabite wives. Which, was that a good choice? No. (laughs) If you remember, before they go on the promised land, God says, do not intermarry. Right. And here these dudes are marrying the Moabite women. Yeah. Which, don't you, can't you imagine Naomi going, I told them. Yeah. I told them not to marry those girls. (laughs) But they didn't listen to me. They just went off and married them. Now they part of the family, uh-huh. right? I can yeah. totally just see her. Yeah. I don't know that she talked that way. No, I feel like you're putting a little Judy stink on uh, Naomi. I mean, yeah. 
Get them. Uh-huh. Tell them. Tell yeah. them. Okay. You, what did so, she say? You could put this in the trash? You could throw this in the trash. But <laughs> I'm going to tell you what I think. Trash, but you shouldn't be marrying these women. You shouldn't women. be marrying these mobile yeah. women. I'm going to tell Love you it. what I think. Yeah. So then scripture tells us that they are childless for 10 years. So these two sons marry these two Moabite wives. They don't have any children. Wow. I've never put that together. I mean, think about that. That's 10 years of yeah. marriage. Yeah. What's going on? Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking God, right? Yeah. You living in a foreign land. You married foreign women. There's yeah. foreign gods. So they don't have kids. And then the sons die. Okay, so now we got Naomi left with just her two daughters-in-law, and this is the straw that broke the camel's back, and she's like, we out, people. Well, because she's living in a foreign place. Her husband had died, then her two sons died, yes. and she's got these two rando ladies now that are part of her family. <laughs> you know, she's in a They've rando They've been there 10 land. years. They, she knows them by now. Well, I don't know. They're not her boys. <laughs> you can imagine that she's like, mm. That's funny. I mean, that's just funny. Okay, so she decides, let's get out of here. Let's go home. And so she tells the two daughters-in-law, she's like, you guys just stay here. If you come with me, there's nothing for you where I'm going. There's nobody to marry. You need to go find another husband, so just stay here. Both of them put up a fight. Mm -hmm. Both of them are like, no, we love you. We want to stay with you. But eventually Orpah, one of the daughters-in-law, decides that she will go back to her home but Ruth stays. And I wanted to read this part of scripture because to me it's one of the most beautiful things in scripture where Ruth um, is just crying out to Naomi saying that she doesn't want to leave her. It says in Ruth 1.14, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And this word clung is the same word that is used in Genesis 2.24 when it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. It's the same word. What's that reference? Genesis 2.24. Wow. So Ruth is like, this is not an artificial hug. Yeah. This is a legit. Yeah. This is not COVID appropriate. Yeah, no. Yes. There are no masks involved. <laughs> She is hanging on to Naomi, clinging to her, saying, don't make me leave you. I want to stay with you. And then she says, Ruth says this to her in Ruth uh, chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Don't ask me to leave you or turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Okay, random. Do you hear that in weddings? Have you ever heard that in a wedding? You know, I have, I feel like I've heard it, at the first time I think I heard that scripture was on fried green tomatoes or something. Do y'all remember that movie? Yes, but I don't remember that in fried green tomatoes. See, look. Somebody's nodding. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but I've heard it in a wedding and I'm like, I I mean. mm, No. It's a mom and daughter-in-law. I don't know that this is is a wedding verse. Yeah, it does seem strange to put it in a, yeah. But, you know, we had I Can Only Imagine in our wedding. You did? It's kind of a song you sing at funerals. (laughs) What part? Like when you're lighting the unity candle. Oh, I think it might have been. Really? That's hilarious. So maybe it's okay to use this. I don't know. I still to this day are like, what are we thinking? It's definitely a funeral song now. Wow. We were looking ahead to the future where we were going to go together one day. It's fine. (laughs) Sydney asked if Greg made that playlist. Yes. 
And Jenny said everyone had that in their wedding in 2001. It was the hot song, You Are Not Alone. You're not alone. Hey, if you had this Ruth scripture in your wedding, can you drop yes, it in the please comments? Tell please tell us. Yes. If you had somebody read Ruth 1, <laughs> Haley 16 said, 18. Haley said, who doesn't love a good death in heaven song at a wedding? <laughs> Maybe it was like, y'all were picturing the wedding night. And it was like, I can only imagine. <laughs> picturing the wedding night. I was raised in a bubble, remember? All that stuff scared me. Well, you could only imagine. Do I have to go with him? <laughs> Mom, can I come home with you? Judy's like, well, you can throw this in the trash. <laughs> no, I'm crying. Oh, my gosh. This is so funny. <laughs> okay, we're back on topic. We're back on topic. Right. Here's the point I was going for in this, okay? I think that this says something about Naomi. The fact that her daughter-in-law, who was from a foreign land, who had been married to her son for 10 years, had no kids, was so smitten with Naomi. Can't you imagine that she must have been just the brightest light in Ruth's life? That those 10 years with Naomi, she saw Ruth as somebody that was kind and loving. She learned about Ruth's God, Naomi's God. Mm-hmm. And at the point where she's given the choice to either go back to the foreign gods and her family, right? Her yeah. mom. Yeah. She chooses to stay with Naomi, her mother-in-law. Yeah. To me, that speaks to Naomi's character. Mm-hmm. She must have been the kind of woman that Ruth could not be apart from. Well, the other thing I wonder if you feel like is true is, to me, this that scripture you just read is almost like Ruth's profession of faith. Yes. It's the moment yes. where she says, your God will be my God. You know, she's making a choice. To me, she's making a choice of, I would rather have your God than stay here with what is comfortable, be sure of finding a husband, I would rather have you and your God than than here with what I know and being sure of finding a husband, you know? And what I can only imagine. <laughs> I did not plan that, I promise. Is that Naomi had to have lived in such a way that Ruth learned about her God. Yeah. Like she no. couldn't have been in her home for 10 years and yeah. not seen her God without yes. learning about him in such a way that she was like, I want that. Agree. Amanda said on here, she wants what Naomi has. She which, wants what she has. Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is a beautiful commentary on Naomi. Yeah. She was the type of mother-in-law that just like blessed these two girls, Orpah too, yeah. that they wanted to be with her. They didn't want to go back home. Yeah. And I've never thought about it from that way. We always jump to Ruth in the story. We never stay on Naomi. We always just jump jump, jump immediately to Ruth, kind of like we did with Bathsheba and David. We always jump back to David. But I'm like, this is such a beautiful commentary on Naomi. Yes. Like, I, she's coming to the dinner party in heaven. Oh, she she's gets at to my come. table. Okay, she's in the palace. Table. Remember, Rebecca has her own That's palace. Right, I got my own palace. Okay. <laughs> um, so they go back to Bethlehem, and as they come into town, the women are recognizing Naomi and saying, Oh my gosh, is this Naomi who left with her two sons? And Naomi says this. She says, Don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such a tragedy upon me? So she comes back to town, and she is not a happy camper. No, bitter. She wants to change her name, which, again, notice the symbolism here from Naomi, that means sweetness, to Mara, that means bitter. That's the complete opposite of each other. Um, And she says, don't call me that. Call me Mara. And we said we wanted to learn from these mamas, whether good or bad. This is where I think we see a side of Naomi that is not good. Yeah. She is blaming God. Mm-hmm. She's basically saying, God, you caused this. Mm-hmm. 
I went away full. You brought me back empty. Wow. I had all this stuff and you caused me to suffer and you caused me pain and you caused me. She is mad at God. Yes. She's mad at God. Yes. And it's interesting because when I was reading about this, people, the commentaries were saying, look, God didn't force them to move to Moab. Elimelech chose to do that. He chose to go into a foreign land with foreign gods and he didn't force her to stay after Elimelech died. He could have, she could have brought her sons back and they could have married women from Bethlehem, but she chose to stay. Mm-hmm. And it's not an a, attack on her, sure. like this caused it. But it's the idea that sometimes I think as moms, we blame God for mm-hmm. things that we've had a role in. Yes, or that things happen in life. You know, this side of heaven, there is sin and there is destruction and death and sickness and sadness. And so those things happen and... Man, bitterness in those situations is an understandable choice, but it's not necessarily a helpful choice. No, it's not. And I do think there's, it's kind of like a grieving process. There's a time when you just get mad at God for something so awful that's happened in your life and you shake your fist in it. And what I tell people is shake your fist. God can take it. That's right. Tell him all your thoughts and all your feelings because he can take it. He's God. But then the prayer and the hope is that then the Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to turn your heart. And remind you what's true. Yes. And thankfully, I'm thankful because there is a place for bitterness. I mean, there is a place for that sour taste in your mouth. And there is a place where you cry out to God, you know, like Job. Um, But thankfully, that's not the end of our story or hers. That's right. So there's a verse, uh, John 16, 33. It says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. This is Jesus speaking. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In those situations when we feel like um, we're shaking our fist at God because he has caused us bitterness or pain or anguish, God says, look, I never promised you that it was going to be easy. Yeah. I never promised you that you wouldn't have pain and sorrow and trial. What I promised you is that I would be with you. That's right. And because I overcame the world, you're going to overcome it too. Yeah. And we have to cling to that in those moments where we do not have the answer. Yeah. This side of heaven, we do not know why certain things happen. And we have to come to that place to go, but you know what, God, you did it. You got through this. You sent your son. You bait away. And so I'm going to trust in you. Yes. What was okay. that scripture reference? John 16, 33. Okay. So the rest of the story goes into really what Ruth's side of the story is, where she ends up gleaning in the field of Boaz. And um, we study that a lot in our Bible studies, but I'm trying to focus on Naomi tonight. So I'm going to skip a little bit of the story. Um, Ruth ends up gleaning, in the, which means picking up barley or picking up leftover wheat in the field of Boaz. Boaz shows great kindness to her. When she goes back to Naomi to tell her what field she's in, Naomi's like, oh, my gosh, he's one of our kinsmen redeemers. He's somebody that can help us. You know, where there was no hope, she's found hope. And so she tells Ruth to go back in this crazy story. We're not going to go into it. I have no idea what the cultural meaning of it is. That was a whole other side of research. She tells Ruth to go lay down at the feet of Boaz. Right, while he's sleeping. In the middle of the night. Yeah. Under the cover of darkness. Yeah. And to uncover his feet. Listen. And like put the blanket on her. I don't know. I can only imagine. so appropriate for tonight's Bible uh-huh, study. Yeah. Okay, but this is what I thought was so cool. So I don't know if you'll remember Kate talking about this in the first week of our Bible study when she was talking about God as a mom. She shared some scriptures. It may have been on the podcast. You shared some scriptures where it relates to God as our mother yeah. hen. Do you yeah. remember that yes. scripture? Uh-huh. Okay, well, let me read it to you. So it's in Matthew twenty three thirty seven. It says, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings. And the thing that Naomi tells Ruth is that when she uncovers his feet, 
to say to Boaz, would you cover me with your wing? This idea that he's taking her under his protection Mm -hmm. and she's becoming part of his family. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's like the mother hen. Yes. It's this idea that God gives us as moms that we're constantly trying to do this. Like I want all my babies under my roof and I want everybody under my protection and I want everybody safe. Yeah. And Naomi was trying to provide a safe place for Ruth. Yes. Isn't that cool? Yes. She's like, Ruth, I want you to be protected. I want you to be safe. Okay, so Boaz is like, yeah, girl, let's let's do this. Gives her some wheat. That is always such a great first date gift. <laughs> like, here's six um, sheaves of wheat. I don't even know what the word is. Well, but yes. in 2020, you would just go home and put that in a cute vase, and it would be your fall decor. That's what I have in my vases right now girl, for October. Add some acorns and leaves, and yeah. you're just set for a fall party. Yeah. Mm-mm. I need some diamonds. All right. So Boaz goes to the leaders of the city and he tries to see if there's anybody else that's going to redeem. And there's another guy and he's like, all right, well, you get Ruth too. And the guy's like, okay, I'm out. I don't need to be getting another wife. And so Boaz ends up getting her and it's like, yeah, story win. You know, (laughs) Boaz gets Ruth. So let's come back to Naomi again. Okay, so this is the very end of the book of Ruth. In chapter 4, verse 13 through 17, it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he, it says, went into her. But I feel like I should use the word new. Remember, remember our word new? No. And he knew her. <laughs> new is so much better. That, that is very <laughs> The Bible is truth, people. Oh, the Bible is truth. <laughs> and the Lord gave her conception. And she bore a son. And then the women said to Naomi, let's get to the um, important part. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. And Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him his name saying, a son has been born to Naomi and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Dun, dun, dun. Amazing. Connects to our last one. Amazing. The restoration. The, the restoration. Whole. Yes. Like, Naomi could not have written that story if you'd asked her to. Like, when she's in Moab and everybody's died, she could not have written this ending to the story that God did. No, because basically, when they come back to Bethlehem, they're completely destitute. Destitute. And, you know, at that time, without a husband, they have no home, they have nothing, Nothing. right? Yes. And they go back, and Ruth goes out to hopefully just pick up some leftovers in the field, and then this beautiful thing that God works out to send Boaz to Ruth, and then to take through that, take care of their family. Yes. And then out of that line comes David David. and Jesus. Yes. Yes. I just think it's an amazing way that God can restore things far beyond our imagination. Far Far beyond beyond our imagination, right? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Because (laughs) (laughs) Diane can't handle it. (laughs) Because you, you, Right, you never would have thought that. And I think in your bitterness, in your grief, sometimes it's hard to picture the rest of the story, right? It's hard to picture anything good coming out of this. And we see that from this it says, it made me think of Hannah when the the husband says to Hannah, aren't I worth to you more than ten sons? Mm -hmm. But in this situation, truly, Hannah was worth more than seven sons. Ruth, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Ruth was more than seven sons, you know, in Naomi's heart. The way that God brought this restoration is just incredible. It's gorgeous. Yeah. 
Two things. One, I think it's beautiful that it's almost like a second chance for Naomi. Yeah. She has this new grandson that she gets to raise with yes. her family. Yes. And um, she's lost her two sons, and it's like God's given her something back. And then secondly, I think about all of our grandmas that have kiddos that have adopted babies. Yes. And that grandbaby that they're holding is not biological. Right. It's not their blood. Right. But it's someone that they have adopted into their home to love and care for. Yeah. That's what Naomi did. This yeah. sweet baby was not from her sons. It was not from her direct bloodline. Yeah. But it was still a son that she adopted into her heart that God had provided. I just think that's so cool. Great. Great. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. So last thing before we finish up, I want to connect this to the New Testament because in the New Testament, we hear about another grandmother. And if only God had given her her own book, because I would love to hear this woman's story. Agree. But we have like two verses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Only two verses on her. It's in 2 Timothy 1.5. And it says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Uh, It's Paul talking to Timothy. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. I don't know why this is bringing tears to my eyes. Isn't it just but it's, amazing? Yes, I'm sorry because I don't want to cut you off because no, I'm sure you, no, you have something you want to say about that verse, but I just am thinking about Naomi's legacy and how she must have made God attractive to Ruth. And then you think about Lois's legacy to Timothy's mom and to him, that these women had the opportunity to make God attractive to these children so they wanted to know more yes you know so they wanted to walk in those steps and this is what I see so much in grandmas I just see that they have lived the hurried life the games the lunch boxes the school papers the homework and they're in this season where they can be slower yeah they make so many things attractive to my kids that I can't well they know what's important and yes because of their life experience they're like "Uh, uh, that stuff yeah this is what matters yeah this is what's important. Yes. My mom and my mother-in-law have taught my kids things that I was like dismissive of, like, oh, what? and now it's this part of their life that they love, like worms, like ramen noodle worms. Yes. But it brings them joy. Yes. And the faith that a grandma can have that she passes on not only to her children, but to her grandchildren. Okay. And here's the, here's the ending point that I want to say to us is right now we're not there. Okay. So there might be some grandmas online yeah, we with got- us. Diane. But for others of us, we're just mamas. But I just want you to consider that the legacy you're building starts now. Mm-hmm. That I want my kiddos to find Jesus attractive. Mm-hmm. And that one day they're going to go off and they're going to meet wives and husbands and they're going to have children of their own. And I want them to come back home with those babies. And then I want to be the type of grandma that makes Jesus attractive to those grandbabies. Yes. And that starts now. Yes. Right? Let's not wait. Let's just say, you know what? I want to be so in love with Jesus now that it just continues to even when I'm a grandmother. Yeah. Because that's what scripture teaches us, that even grandmas can have the biggest impact on their children and grandchildren. Biggest impact. And, you know, we, uh, so if you go to Lake Point Church, I, I know there's a lot of Lake Pointers on here. I would love to post on our Facebook page. I know Home Point did a neat campaign. It was like a legacy campaign where they were connecting grandparents to grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And I gave each of the grandparents in our family, they were like conversation starters Uh where they could have conversations with the kids about faith. Because I think sometimes the grandparents in my family are just kind of like, well... I'm not sure where my place is. I don't know how much I speak into this, you know? And so just to encourage, potentially encourage the grandparents in your life, we want, we welcome you into this space. Yes. We want you to be talking with our kids about these things. You are free to do that. You are free to 
you know, my sister did a good job. I have teenage nieces, and I wasn't sure how to pour into them. And she said, you know, Kate, what if you just text them once a week and just say, how can I pray for you? Oh, I love that. But for them, it was me just shooting them a text, you know, because that made sense in their context. So I think just making sure that the grandparents in our lives know we want them in that space. Yes. And invite them in there. And they're important. They're important. And God has a plan for them and a purpose. And scripture even highlights them to say, yes, you are important. Yes. Yes, and I'm going to be a grandma one day, cowboy yes. grandma. And then now, how can we live so that our kids want to follow the Jesus we love That's so right. much? That's you know? right. Yes. Um, one of the things that we made a priority of very early on is I wanted my kids to want to go to church. I wanted them to enjoy being there. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes when you're part of a pastor's family, it can feel like, you know, unfortunately, the best word that comes to mind is burden because you're there so much. And it's right. like, well, there goes our weekend, right? Because yes. we're up at the church all the time. And so one of the things we made as a priority is that there would be no yelling on the way to the car when we went to church. That was just a choice that we made. So what we have had to do, I know, Rebecca, just take a beat. But we take, I have sinned. We often have to take two separate cars because Jeremy has to be there. somebody's yelling, time. and so they get in the other car to yell? He, If he has to be there, <laughs> then I'm the one that just kind of lays back, and I'm like, okay, when we get there, we get there. Honestly, if oh, and we all know Kate. Well, because <laughs> I don't want to yell at them. I don't want to. I want the going to Girl, church experience to be good. That's you good. Know, I want them to enjoy it. And then when there are weekends where we're there all weekend, they get to have, they get to pick the prizes. They get to pick where we go out to eat and, you know, yeah. so that there is, there are really things that they love about it. And it's never, I just never want it to be a stressful experience. I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> and if I could start over today... <laughs> I could attempt to go to church without yelling. <laughs> well, but that may have happened previously in my past. I mean, you know, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. But I'm just saying that's something that's that good. Has worked for us. That's that good. became a priority yes, for us. That's good. I love it. You know, so because I want them to want to be there and Me not too. feel like it's stressful. Me too. You know, yes. I also don't get on to them about their clothes. You know, they wear the most random stuff and it's just kind of like, okay, well, here we are. No khakis and three piece suit? No, I don't want them to feel the pressure of like you have to look a certain way, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. These are goals. These are goals that I'm setting for myself right now. These okay. are great goals. Well, but you guys <laughs> do a lot of things. What do you feel like? Is there anything that you guys have done that where you've made it important so that? Jesus is attractive to your kiddos because your kids love the Lord and they love being at church. What do you feel like? I think maybe serving. Yeah. I think that um, my kiddos love to serve because uh-huh. they've seen Greg and I do that. And yeah. I think it puts Jesus in a different light because it's not like you're checking off a list. It's like you're getting to do something for someone else. And kids love doing stuff for other people. They're there just go. like, they that's just beautiful. think that's awesome. There you go. Yeah. So. Once we get to church and we've worked through all of our issues in the parking lot and we go in and we're all okay again, then we serve together and it's lovely. <laughs> and you get to learn about grace and, right. and how all of that helps. Then we go home and we ask forgiveness and have a little prayer time in our living room and sing kumbaya. Yes. Diane just said, when you fail, ask for forgiveness. It's a great <laughs> example every weekend of why we need Jesus. So that's wonderful. Um uh, let's see. Oh, somebody said, I even had to yell at her son one time just so she could watch virtual church. Don't you know, <laughs> you guys. The times of COVID provided interesting church experiences for all of us. Church okay? online is is tough because <laughs> they don't understand. They just think you're watching the TV, you know. And if you don't mute it, somebody on the other side is maybe hearing. 
So just well, we've been trying to worship, and I've got Caroline, you know, jumping on me on the couch, and I'm like, okay, well, this feels very spirit filled, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, Stephanie said, yeah, most mornings on the way to church in the car. Let's go, get in the car. That's usually how it is. Yeah, yeah. No, my kids are gonna definitely remember that one day. Um, and lots of parking lot talks. Yes, we have lots of lots of talks in the car yes. before we go in the building. That it's like you will smile when we get out of this car. <laughs> What I said to you on the way to church, we're happy. Okay, we're all happy today. <laughs> oh, mine's usually like, don't jump on the walls. Our children's building has the cutest, like, <laughs> things made on the walls, trees and mountains and everything. And my kids act like we're at a zoo. And I'm like, this is not a zoo. You and I are so fun together because we have such different experiences. We are. We're different. We have, it's great. It's good. Okay, so I have some questions for you. Ready. Um, ooh, how do you talk with your kids about experiencing consequences of mistakes they have made, but also how God can still work for their good? Oh, God, I think you just use your own self. Yeah. I mean, those are the times like when we've yelled on the way to church and we get home that afternoon and I'm like, guys, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I totally let my emotions get the best of me, mm-hmm. and I don't want to do that, but sometimes it just comes out of me. Would y'all forgive me? Mm-hmm. And let's pray and ask God to help us next time. I think they learn grace and forgiveness by seeing me do that in my own personal life. So good. Yeah. That they see you screw up and just know that's yes. not the end of your story. Yes. Right. Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, what are some practical ways we can keep big picture perspective when we're in the middle of suffering or trials? I mean, for us, I would say it's we just keep turning to Jesus. We just keep turning to Jesus. No matter how bad it is, no matter how hard things are, we continue to turn on the worship music. The kids just continue to hear us say, I'm just asking God for help. You know, One of the things I read in the commentary about Naomi is at the end when those women, it says they gather around her and they call her blessed and they say, oh, your daughter-in-law was more to you than seven sons, that it was a community of women that knew God. And they were highlighting in her life the ways that God had come through. And we need that. That's gather. We need yes. people in our life that can come alongside and say, I know that right now you can only see this, mm. but let me remind you of this, that it's, you know, this is there. And I thought I had never seen that in the story either. Yeah. I just thought, oh, those women are like giving her a baby shower. That's yeah. so fun. Yeah. But no, they were actually like rallying around her and saying, look what God has done. He has restored you. He has given you back what you lost. So we need community to do that. And our kids see that, you know, when people are showing up with meals or they show up and yes. leave flowers on your porch or leave a card, yes. they're like, who's that from? And you're like, well, this is my sweet mama friend that wanted to encourage me. And they get to see Amen. that community and why we Amen. need it so much. Amen. Um, Oh, how to navigate a tough relationship with your mother-in-law. Yes, I knew that was going to be part of <laughs> the conversation. Yes. Guys, it's just like navigating a tough relationship with anybody, you know? It's the idea that you have to decide what's most important. Um, am I going to let somebody else's uh, unkind words or different approaches take my joy away? Yes. Or am I going to set up the boundaries? Maybe they don't even know what the boundaries are, You, but you know them. And you're like, before I go into conversations, I'm going to be prayed up. Mm. Or I'm going to choose to only share information at a time when I feel like I'm emotionally stable. Mm. You know, trying to make sure that you're giving yourself grace, but also um, knowing that you can't change that person. You can only take care of yourself. Yes. And that through God's you know, get, I mean, Naomi's a perfect example of somebody that we knew, knew God, but then fell into bitterness after all these things had been taken from her. And she was like, y'all, I'm not happy. Don't call me. Mm-hmm. 
sweet. Call me bitter. Yes. But then God restored that. And I don't know how many years, I don't know the timing of all this stuff, but it wasn't like next day. So sometimes it just has to be time and we don't know what God's timetable is. If it's tomorrow, next year, 10 years, 20 years. Well, and I think it helps so much when you can take the focus off of yourself. So instead of the tape in your mind always being, this is what she's done to me. This is what she's done to my children. This is how she's hurt me. Instead, flip that on its head and look at how you can bless her. Mm -hmm. You know, so that you're texting her, how can I pray for you this week? That oh, you're sending good. her flowers, that you're sending her a card. I think the more that other people feel secure and confident in how you see them, the less likely they are to act out of their insecurity. I feel like that's gold. Most of that that's painful, um, most of that painful mistreatment that they may give you or that you're seeing play out, it's just coming from a, a heart bad place in their own heart. And so I would just say as much as you can love on them and then just put up boundaries where you need in your that own That is heart. gold. Y'all, that was worth the trip right there. <laughs> okay. That is so good. Okay. So good. Um, you guys, I, okay, I wish I could give 25 prizes. So, okay, but we have a tie. Woo! A tie, does that mean that we get two prizes for each? I, I feel like we're going to get yes, two prizes. Yes, yes. So, um, Rachel, I don't know how to say your last name. Is it Luvano? Did I get it right? Um, Luvano? And Luvano? Yay! Woo! Okay, Rachel Luvano and Jocelyn Hall. Yes! Woo! Um, we won. Oh, I was yelling in the microphone. I'm so sorry. Oh. <laughs> so sorry. That'll be cute when I try mm -hmm. to edit. Sorry. Um, we are going to give you both a hat and a gift card to Target. <gasps> And if you've already gotten a hat, then maybe you can give it to another mom. Y'all, teacher gifts. I'm telling you, y'all need to stock up tonight. Yes. $30 sweatshirts. But we want to give you hat. those. Okay, so we want to give you the code for the mama sweatshirt. Yes, yes. Buy your sweatshirt, $30. So this is a deal. It's mama30. Yes. Is the code in the checkout. And um, it's good for 24 hours. It's good for 24 hours. It's not going to last forever. Um, but so the, sh and here's the thing, we're, we're already getting some low stock alerts on some of our sizes. And so if you want this, you better Go jump down. in there tonight, gathermoms.com slash shop and use, um, you put the sweatshirt in your cart and then you put in the code mama 30 and it'll give you the discount so that you can get the sweatshirt for 30 bucks. Yes. So that's such a deal. I mean, I think it's a great deal. Maybe I'll get another we one. We shopped around to compare prices to see, you know, like what was going to be. And some of these sweatshirts go for a lot of money. Y'all, they're not worth that. I'm telling you right there. <laughs> they're not paying that for that sweatshirt. Okay. So just know. So we were yeah. trying to be reasonable. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, But, you know, as you know, all the profits go to gather to help us getting to keep, get to keep doing what we're doing. And so thank you. Anytime you buy something, um, I kind of wish we meant we were going to Bora Bora, but we're not. It's, you know, it, mm -hmm. use, it goes to keep funding this organization. Yes. So thank you so much for supporting us. Don't forget about our charcuterie class on Sunday. I'm so excited, Jenny. I'm so excited. Charcuterie boards for the win. Oh, sorry. Oh, I jumped ahead to announcements. My bad. No, that's okay. I'm just chatting. Okay. So we are about to start jumping off. If there are any groups meeting tonight, uh, then you can go ahead and jump off and start having a discussion in your group. Otherwise, just a few quick announcements. Um, you can text GATHER to 20411 to get um, updates about these things that we're doing. Yes, right. This right here. This here. This yeah. here. And y'all, we only have one more week. Oh, we have one more so week. Sad. I can only imagine what it'll be like when it's not here anymore. Oh. <laughs> I will never hear that song the same again. 
Um, but we only have one more week of the Zoom study, but then the podcast season, uh, God willing, we're going to continue talking about mamas all the way through the end of the year. So I'm so yeah, excited. She I told me this. that last week and I was like, oh, we talked about that. We are. <laughs> totally forgot. Totally forgot. Hey, just real quick, because we're just having fun. Um, the other song I had in my wedding was Jim Brickman. Do you know who Jim Brickman is? No. Anybody is know who Jim Brickman is? No. He's a pianist. Oh, look, Melissa knows. And he wrote a song called My Valentine. Okay. What? <laughs> and my church would only allow songs in your wedding that had God in them. Uh-huh. So my best friend in college changed the words to include my, to include God in my valentine so we could have it. Because <laughs> it was clearly such a quality song. You had to make sure that one got in there. <laughs> look at Haley. She can't I can only imagine. <laughs> and my valentine. Wow. Bradford Wedding 2001. Absolutely stellar. (laughs) All right, that's what we're leaving you with tonight. Thanks for coming. Love y'all so much. Go get your sweatshirts. Tell your friends. Tag your grandma. Tag your grandmas. Shout out to Judy and Mary. Love you guys. Yes, so glad, so thankful for the grandmas that are on here. We are crazy about y'all. We need y'all in this community, so thank you for being here. Okay, night. Woo!